0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One of the joys of the Christmas season that we have just finished celebrating is receiving mail. Most of the time, our mailboxes don't contain many things we'd like to receive, just advertisements, bills, and credit card offers. But for about a month, we're transported to another era when our mailboxes are filled with warm greetings and maybe even gifts. In our days of easy electronic communication, receiving a personal letter can seem quaint, but it can also be a joyful surprise. Writing a letter is what St. Paul is doing in today's second reading. The church gives us here just a short passage. It's really just Paul addressing the letter before he has begun to say anything of real substance. So why would the church present to us such a seemingly insignificant passage, just the title of a letter? There's something about the way that St. Paul addresses this letter that is different than the way that we would likely address a letter. He is writing to the Christians at Corinth, one of the cities in Greece where people have begun to follow Christ, some of the first Christians. Look at how he addresses them. To you who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy. The Christians at Corinth have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. To sanctify is to make holy. To holy. These people have been made holy by receiving baptism, by being reborn as sons and daughters of God the Father, and by receiving Christ's body and blood in the Most Holy Eucharist, already being celebrated by the church even from her earliest days. It is not enough, though, that these Christians have been made holy through the sacraments. They are also called to be holy. There's an important truth here for us. We have been made holy, too, by our baptism. But holiness is not just a one-time experience. We are continually called to be holy and to grow in holiness. That is, we are called to be saints. In most languages, including the Greek in which St. Paul is writing, there's no difference between those two words, holy and saint. To be holy is to be a saint, and to be a saint is to be holy. In the first reading, we hear more about what it is to be holy, what it is to be a saint. We hear the Lord saying, it is too little for you to be my servant. God does not want us merely to be his servants. In the gospel, in another place, the Lord tells us the servant does not know what his master is doing. The servant does what he is told, but nothing more, because he doesn't see the big picture. He doesn't know the full plan. This can often be us in our relationship with God. We can try only to do the minimum, what a servant would do just to slide by what is barely necessary to stay in a state of grace. So often, we see doing pretty well as the standard to be achieved. But this is not what God wants from us. He wants us to strive to become saints. He wants us to be able to say with the prophet Isaiah, I am made glorious in the sight of the Lord. Isaiah is writing here to a people who are in exile, the people who long to return to their homeland, the land promised to them by God. Isaiah's prediction to them really seems impossible. Think about the history of the Hebrew people. After 40 years of wandering in the desert, they finally manage to get to the promised land, but they can only hold on to it for a few hundred years before they're kicked out by a whole series of invaders. These people are longing with all their being to return to this land given them by God. And yet God tells them through the prophet that not only will he fulfill this deep longing, but what they desire is not enough. He wants to do something even greater. He says that it is not enough for them to be restored to their homeland, to what they had before. Rather, he will do something even greater. He tells them, I will make you a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. He will make them glorious in his sight. What does it mean then for us to be glorious in God's sight? We might think that this is about something we need to do, some way we need to try harder, something we have to achieve in order to have this glory before God. But that actually isn't the case at all. Being glorious in God's sight is about what he does for us. We are glorious in God's sight because we are loved, we are forgiven, and we are called. We are glorious in God's sight because we are loved by him. God's love for us is absolutely unconditional. There is nothing we could ever do, no sin we could ever commit that would make him cease to love us. But in his love for us, he also gives us freedom, a freedom that we often use to stray from him and turn our backs on his love. But that does not mean that his love is changed at all. He is the merciful Father who is always watching and waiting with the same love that he had from the beginning. After all, the scriptures tell us that God is love itself. We might sin, but sin changes us, not God. As a consequence of God's infinite love, we are glorious in his sight when we are forgiven. God's love is the foundation of his forgiveness. His love is infinite, and so is his forgiveness. When we humble ourselves before God's majesty with the confession of our sins, he responds not only with his generous and unlimited forgiveness, but also with a new outpouring of his grace that makes us a new and glorious creation. When we are freed of the burdens of our sins, we have a joy and a freedom that in our very being gives glory to him. Of course, we should seek this forgiveness any time, God forbid, we've committed a mortal sin, but we should also go regularly, I'd say at least once a month, in order to be strengthened by God's grace, in order to resist temptations to sin, to remain glorious in his sight, even to root out from our lives deliberate venial sins, not just big sins, but even rooting out those smaller, deliberate venial sins from our lives, because not only are we made holy by baptism, we are called to be holy called to continue growing in holiness. In the first reading Isaiah the prophet says that the Lord formed me as his servant from the womb that Israel might be gathered to him. Before he was born the Lord knew him and had a plan for him. God's people the people of Israel were far away from God. They were exiled from their homeland, the land he had promised to them, and they were forgetting about him through adopting the religions of the people who had conquered them and living not in accord with God's law through all sorts of moral failures. So God sent Isaiah to call them back to living in accord with his law and to promise them a savior who is Christ. God has a calling for you as well. Since the foundation of the world, since before time began, he has known you. And had a plan for you in this plan there is some way that he wants you to be a prophet as well there is someone he wants you to call back to him someone or many someones he wants you to invite to follow him more closely both by your example and by an explicit proclamation and invitation someone he wants you to invite to mass to come along with you to confession Someone who needs you to pray with him or her. Someone who just needs you to listen and to offer hope. God wants you to be his prophet as well. This calling to prophetic witness and calling to holiness are very closely connected. Living the gospel call in all its radicality, truly pursuing holiness and not just being holy enough, means that we can be effective witnesses to the world. The crowds listened to John the Baptist when he pointed out Jesus to them because he had already earned their respect and their trust. Unlike the hypocritical scribes and Pharisees, John lived what he preached and his life was clearly different because of his encounter with the Lord. In order to take up the invitation to serve the Lord in prophetic witness, we must also be credible witnesses by living the gospel in its fullness. Maybe you've thought to yourself, God wouldn't call me. He wouldn't want to use me, I don't have any talents he'd want to use, and I'm too much of a sinner. Remember the Israelites addressed by the prophet Isaiah. They couldn't comprehend the big plans that God would have for them because they thought of their relationship with him as something that only impacted themselves. They didn't realize that God wanted to make them a light to the nations. That promise isn't fulfilled because of anything that the Hebrew people did, though. They only became a light to the nations by being the people from whom came forth the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. God also wants you to be a light to the nations. But we're really not talking about something God needs you to do. We're we're talking about something that Jesus wants to do in you. Remember the trio that I gave for how we're glorious in God's sight. Loved, forgiven, called. He calls you to serve him because he loves you. And as a consequence of his love, he forgives any sins that you confess. Don't worry about your worthiness to answer his call. You are infinitely loved and forgiven by the same God who calls you to serve him. We are all unworthy of his calling, just like those people whom he said he he made glorious in his sight. But he wants to use you to spread the same message of that infinite love and forgiveness that he wants to share with all people. Never forget that you are glorious in God's sight. You are loved, forgiven, and even called by him to become a saint. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.